This is Government Gone Digital. I'm Dana Birchman, Chief Digital Officer here in Gilbert, Arizona, and I'm here today with two of my fabulous teammates, Derek Konofowski and Melissa Cannon. And Melissa is actually the newest member of our team, and she's handling community engagement as our community engagement coordinator. And her position looks a little different now that it's in our department, the Office of Digital Government. This position has existed in a different form in other departments across the town, but recently came into our department so that we could focus on online community engagement. So we're really excited to have you here, Melissa. It's your first podcast, too. And you just moved to Gilbert and came from D.C. And so this is really exciting because I think we have an opportunity to reach our community, not just new people moving to Gilbert, but Gilbert as a whole, our our nearly 250,000 residents online. So you're really focusing on doing that. And so let's talk a little bit about why your position is so unique and so much fun. Yeah, so definitely I came out from D.C. And one thing that really attracted me to Gilbert was the online presence. So I remember Googling as I was applying for this job and seeing what I can find out about about Gilbert, and I loved how you had videos online and the social media presence was really um, kind of active. And when I saw this community engagement coordinator position, I was like, how great would it be to be contribute to this team to kind of get my background into it and kind of help engage the residents a little bit more online. So one of my favorite things about my position right now is helping move people off from the paper forms of that typical government, uh, filling out a form online and waiting to hear back from someone, to going online like an app or a website to really voice your concerns or just your opinions. And I think that's really great about Gilbert and using our different tools to really engage your community. I love it. And Derek, really launched, came in when this started to slowly move into our department Mm -hmm. over time. This came with the 311 app, which was being launched, this idea that um, we would be able to use an app to report issues or problems that you might see in the community and then have them resolved. And I think in a lot of other cities, and we talk about this a lot, certain um, projects like this or programs or apps, like they might live in the IT department or they might live in a community outreach department. But we really thought this was important to be coordinated with a lot of the efforts that we're already making in our department online, like you mentioned, Melissa, social media. So talk a little bit about how you got the 311 app up and running and launched, and then Melissa has recently come on board and taken over that role. But Derek, you were really the one that um, you know got us up and running with C-Click Fix online with 311, and we do have a previous podcast episode about this too. So Yeah, so I got brought on to the 311 app because as at the time I was the uh, multimedia analyst, and I basically ran the mobile app for the town and that's still part of my responsibility but so I got brought in because they were the, the people that were involved with this were looking at this platform and they had looked at a couple different um, reporting platforms essentially and they wanted my feedback on the app um, or, or the different apps to see which one you know I, I kind of uh, liked and so we just started looking at, you know, what were the benefits, what were the features of the different platforms and essentially what kind of uh, spearheaded this whole thing was that um, my focus has always been the shortest distance between two points. So whenever I look at like engagement with a resident, I always look at like barriers of entry because ultimately, um, whether it's government or, or private sector or whatever, 
any kind of interaction between two parties is always the, the path of least resistance. You know, the, the shortest distance between two, two points and anything else in between that is just filler. It's just blockers to getting that resident connected or that person connected with whoever. So in terms of government, to me, are the platform that we chose, C-ClickFix, um, was just the one that had the least amount of barriers for a resident to be able to see a problem send it to us and then have the person responsible fix it. You know, there were a couple other platforms that we had. And I still think if you look at other municipalities, you'll see that kind of stuff where somebody has to fill out, like Melissa was saying, a paper form. And then that form gets submitted to the clerk. And then the clerk at the, you know, whatever department has to file it and has to find the person that's responsible for it and blah, 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 blah. You know, it just, it becomes like this whole ordeal. <laughs> so true, yeah. And, and so the the big draw for me, for so I like, I really pushed hard on the C-Click Fix thing because it was like, you take your cell phone or you go on our website, you put the address in. If you are on a cell phone, your address is already in there. And, you know, it, it was literally just a, I'm already here st st staring at the problem that's on the road or in the light or whatever. And then boom, it gets reported and there's no middlemen. It gets sent right to the people that need to fix it. And I think um, in terms of community engagement, that shows like we've gotten feedback even through the app about issues that people submitted to the app that was like, I just submitted this like an hour ago and I went outside to go get the mail and I already see people outside fixing it. Like, you know, shortest distance between two points, the path of least resistance. So that's just, I think, in general, my approach when it comes to community engagement and things like that. Yeah. And the staff can feel such accomplishment when they close out these mm -hmm. issues and they're, you know, we're tracking now how many of these issues exist and how quickly they're getting fixed. And some of them are even in a competition. How, you know, how quickly can we close out these requests that come in? And I think we got some feedback from C-Click Fix that we were the most downloaded. Um, we had the most downloads the first month that we launched. And one of the reasons was because of the way it ended up in our department, like I mentioned, we're the communications and marketing department. So we were able to put the word out. But to be honest, we really didn't do a lot of marketing behind it. Um, we did minimal on online marketing, of course, but people mm -hmm. most likely to download an app are going to be following you on social media or already online. So that's really key. And, and I know we hear about people, oh, I made flyers for my 311 app. And it sounds so silly to us, right? But I think that that's a lot of way that government organizations, other places try to get the word out. And again, I think we've had more success. So Melissa, why don't you talk us through some of the numbers that you've seen just even compared to other cities that are using a 311 app? Because um, I thought looking at them, I'm like, wow, again, we didn't launch this officially until May publicly um, out into the community and so forth. So I think it's pretty impressive the amount of issues that we've resolved, but then also the amount of people that are actually using it. Yeah. And after Melissa gives the numbers, I, I just, I want to kind of put a caveat on them because I think that there's an interesting point to make. So yeah, yeah definitely. So in 2017, so we launched in May mm -hmm. it's before I was here. So yes. in May, there was tw over 2,500 downloads for Gilbert 311 just on an app. So just on your phone, um, comparing cities with kind of the same populations was about 1,600 or below for 2017, which is super interesting, especially if there wasn't a huge marketing campaign and just posting on social media. Um, it's very impressive and cool. Yeah. And also that was probably a total year for that city, like 12 months. Right. <laughs> we didn't launch till May. So we lost about, you know, five months. There, so, so my caveat is that the thing that I find the most fascinating about those numbers is that we did a tiered launch or 311. So even though we launched in May, technically, we didn't really 
push or advertise it because we, we the, the app was public. People could download it, but we hadn't advertised it yet. So we just wanted to see organically if people, you know, download it. I think we mentioned it somewhere that, oh, there's a three, you know, there's a 311 app coming. If you go to the app stores, you'll be able to download it sooner or whatever. And so it, it was kind of like a, a ramp up to the actual launch of the app. So technically we started advertising and marketing and doing all that stuff for a June 1st launch date, but the app was available from May 1st. And then on top of that, we were also directing people, you know, like on Facebook, we have a tab that you can go to on our Facebook page to report stuff in 311. So to your point, those were just app downloads, but yet we were getting people reporting stuff from our main website at gilbertaz.gov slash 311. We were getting people reporting stuff through the Facebook tab. Yeah, I love it. And I think it's, like you said, eliminating barriers, making it easy for people, but then also the satisfaction that everyone gets from that type of process, right? As as government officials, it's very satisfying to see your work and close out projects and then also to be thanked. Like you said, Derek, we had people post a picture, you know, oh, look, my sidewalk was fixed in front of my house and, you Mm -hmm. know, thank you so much. And even, I always say this, even with social media, it's like, even if you don't have an answer for someone, just to know that someone's there and listening and saying, okay, I'll go find out, or I'm not sure about that, but let me look into it for you. There's, that's that customer service piece that we keep talking about. And I don't know why. But for some reason, these projects tend in large government organizations, they end up in different departments or they end up in different places. But I just feel that there's this connection between, like I said, how we're engaging with our residents. And I should mention, Gilbert, if you're not familiar, has the perfect demographics for apps like this. And we have our average age is 32. So, of course, if you're, you know, you know, looking into doing something like this, we already have a strategy behind knowing how many people we can engage. And it's not just through 311, but another great tool that I'd love to talk about and why I think community outreach in so many cities should be focused on online engagement is Nextdoor and some Mm -hmm. of the targeted messaging that we can do there. And another piece that really we didn't have um, a lot of effort behind because even though we do handle social media here, we weren't, um, we didn't have a lot of time to really drill into, you know, targeted messaging to specific neighborhoods, maybe related to road projects or road closures or just information that they need to know. And so this is really exciting. And this is another big um, piece of your job. So let's talk a little bit about Nextdoor and what that looks like in Gilbert. Yes. So I love Nextdoor. I'm just going to start off with that. I use Nextdoor personally, like um, just to find out more about the information in my neighborhood before. And then when I got into this position, I was so intrigued and fascinated by kind of the back end of it. So being on the public agency side, um, kind of what you mentioned about targeting neighborhoods, it's fantastic that you can just kind of circle over a map and have a direct message to those people and just keep them informed the whole time. But also, just kind of running through our numbers, we have over 3,700 people on Gilbert on Nextdoor, and it's 37, kind of- 37,000. 37,000, sorry, 37, not 100. Yeah. 37,000, <laughs> yes. which is households, which is amazing, yes. considering we only have- 250,000 people here. So think about the reach that we can get with that. Yes, it's a fantastic reach, especially, um, so for example, we had a bulk survey, a bulk trash survey a few months ago. And the only thing we did was post it on Nextdoor to see how, what type of feedback we would get. We got over 1,200 responses in a week. And that's just so fascinating to me because if you think about just a public neighborhood meeting, if you're just sitting in a meeting, 
is there a way to fit 1,200 people in like a conference room? Probably not, but within a week. (laughs) Public forum. (laughs) Right. Right. Or like that many opinions at once, but in a week we can gather all those opinions just through Nextdoor. Yeah, and Nextdoor is especially fascinating to me because especially in terms of what what I was just mentioning about, you know, the barriers of entry or whatever, um, Nextdoor is one of those platforms that I think the people that set up did a great job because they did introduce a barrier that people had to go through you can't just sign up on next door you have to verify that you live in that community and i think in in any other app that would be such a huge barrier that they have to mail you a postcard with a code on it and then you got to type it into the app to make sure that you live at the address that you said but because of that because of that single barrier that they put up there now every single person knows targeted who their demographic is, who they're talking to, who the outreach is. Neighbors know that the people that they're sending these messages to are other neighbors. When you post something to your community, you know for a fact that it's going just to your community. If you post it to surrounding community, you know, like they're, they, that's a great example of, I think, an engagement barrier that makes a lot of sense and offers way more benefit than if they had just, you know, made the the easy choice to say the simplest way to connect to people is just, yeah, you register, you put in your address, we verify that address on Google Maps and ta-da, you're in. Okay, well, what's stopping somebody, you know, from just putting any old address? I mean, that, that institutes like a whole nother load of problems. So that one's fascinating to me just specifically because you know exactly who you're dealing with. Not like Facebook, not like Twitter, not like, you know, you get some ideas, but Nextdoor is the only one that you know, like for certain that those people are where they say they are. And it's really interesting to think about audience. And I think another mistake that a lot of government organizations make is they take messages that they have or videos that they have and they're just splash them across. Let's put them everywhere, right? In every Mm -hmm. platform, in every format. I think we learned this with live video early on. We were looking into Periscope and realizing that that was much more of a global audience. Those weren't people that necessarily knew Gilbert or had ever been in Gilbert or were following us on any of our social media channels versus Facebook Live, which is your followers, right? Those are the people that are engaging your Facebook followers are more likely to either live here or have visited Gilbert before. And I think that that's a great way to kind of segue into thinking about next door because what we didn't want to do was be constantly putting updates on Twitter about things that maybe only impacted one neighborhood near a particular intersection Mm -hmm. or like I remember for example we had some major flooding here a few years ago and we were trying to get word out about where people in certain neighborhoods could pick up sandbags at which which fire departments or where they should be picking them up. And other than like mass emailing HOA lists, we really had no way to reach them. And at the time, Nextdoor didn't exist. And so now I think about that tool in emergency communications, that ability when there's an incident or an emergency that happens to give them the targeted messaging. It's just so powerful. Like you said, Derek, you know who you're reaching. And you're not inundating people with information that we talk about this a lot because Gilbert is obviously a growing community with a lot of road projects and construction projects. And we don't want to be saturating our social media channels with you know another road closure at x y or z and then we have people like unfollow you know they don't want to engage with you anymore because they're so tired of it but when you know it's relevant content and I know that about you know sometimes it's a missing cat sometimes it's somebody trying to get rid of something or looking for babysitting in the neighborhood Um, there could be all kinds of things but to be able to hear from your government organization I think is a really powerful tool that cities should really look to utilize like you said just for that more targeted audience it's a signal to noise ratio. There's less noise on something like next door because you know exactly where it's going. 
Yeah. And people are very engaged there because what do you care more about than your own neighborhood and your community, right? Mm -hmm. So I remember we had an issue where we were switching our um, arrows from uh, (laughs) lagging arrows to leading arrows. And we, it's too soon still to talk about that at length, but, um, Jennifer, and it was right before you got here, Jennifer, who works on our team, posted a message on Nextdoor, went to Starbucks to get a coffee, came back on a lunch break that she said was like maybe 10 minutes. And I think that there were 20 plus comments and questions already just from a Nextdoor post. Mm -hmm. And I think people know like it's it's a safe place. It's not... Sometimes when you post things on Facebook, you get people that aren't from Gilbert asking you questions or people outside and you're like, do those people even know about Gilbert or have they ever been here? This is so interesting because you really are creating that dialogue with your community and the people that live here. So I think it's really exciting that I think we're going to be able to do a lot more um, with Nextdoor in the future too, since now we have a, a ability to focus on it. The other thing I would love to talk about, Derek, is Alex, the open data portal. So we've um, talked about this in previous episodes that we engage with What Works Cities, part of the Bloomberg Philanthropies Group, to create an open data portal. And that's not uncommon in other cities. Obviously, they've done these projects all across the country. But what is different is the um, outward-facing persona and experience that we've created for Gilbert residents, which we've called Alex. So if you haven't visited, you um, may want to, alex.gilbertaz.gov. But Derek, let's talk a little bit about why we think creating that open data portal opens us up for engagement with residents too online like we've never had before. Sure. Well, I think even if you go back to, you know, we have a podcast where we talk about open data and we talk about kind of the idea behind Alex. And uh, ultimately the idea was that residents we can't assume that residents are number one data scientists or number two, we can't assume that if we just dump this data out on them, that they're going to know what to do with it or what it means or or anything like that. So um, we had a lot of of really, really in-depth conversations about striking that balance between providing objective data that, that wasn't biased in one way or another, but also being able to like get residents involved with that data rather than again, just dumping it on them and saying this, you know, here, we, we gave it to you. It's it's more of we're giving you the data, but then also, you know, here's some here's some additional context around that data. Here's some more info. And specifically, the thing that that I think is is really cool is we're explaining how we're using the data, like why we made decisions or why we're planning on doing what we're doing based on that. So like a great example is if you go to the Alex website, um, you can go and see a comparison of Gilbert's population growth um, with our calls for service from the fire department. And we have some heat maps on there where Alex will kind of like point out and do almost a time lapse of where all the population was growing in Gilbert versus where the fire department was sending people, you know, firefighters for calls and when you look from year to year as that animation is kind of going you see like these gaps in in places and and you can tell right where the fire department where the new fire department is going to pop up if you watch that map every time that there's a a hole on there boom that's more than likely where the new fire department is going to go and and that kind of follows that so if you put that kind of information into residents hands and then give them an example like that where they can kind of see like oh you can do that with the data, okay, then that gets their minds going and then they'll want to look at that data or other data that we provide. And, you know, we, we update uh, Alex every month with new data sets and new information. So 
the hope is that residents will engage in that and either make apps or make their own maps or do their own animations or just make comparisons that maybe we didn't even think to make before. And so, again, if you just dump that on people, they're less likely to get engaged with that because, again, talking about barriers of entry, um, there's kind of a learning curve to looking at a massive data set like that. Well, Alex is kind of our avatar, our librarian, that aims to make that a little bit easier. So as we develop the website, um, there's going to be tutorials on there that'll let people learn how to take those data sets and then, you know, do things on their own, whether it be with Excel or with some kind of visualization software or with a programming language or whatever. So the more people we can get involved with that, the more eyes we can get on that data and then the more connections we can draw. Um, Alex's whole theme is kind of connecting the dots. You know, we like to connect the dots here for residents but now we're also connecting the dots with residents so that they can do it as well. I love it. And Melissa, you're, this is your background as well. So you bring this expertise also and I think can help us a lot with this. And we were talking about connecting the dots earlier because you want to build an online toolkit for new residents and residents in general where they can find information. So talk to me a little bit about what that might look like. Yes, so I'm working on it right now. But this online toolkit is kind of for like new residents coming to the area to learn more about the city and kind of get your feet kind of wet of how, well, I like to think it's adulting a little bit, like how when you move over to this new yeah. place and figure out what you need to do, like, oh, I need to get a new license and um, where do I register my dog? <laughs> Stuff like that. So right. we have this online. How do you space your trash can? Yes, apart. exactly. Yep. All those informational videos and just to learn more about this, the community and the city. So with this new it's online town. town. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> Largest <laughs> town in America. Yes. I like to think city. We get people that sit like that, that every time that, that we say something about a city or we're compared to city, there's always a person on social media that's it like, says it. So we just have to throw it out there, even though <laughs> sorry, we're pretty They're much just like so a city. engaged. That's why. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so this uh, online digital toolkit is kind of laying out everything like a checklist of what to do when you first arrive and how to get involved. And I'm really excited. We're kind of exploring new ways and kind of getting all the videos into a consolidated place to learn more about the the town um, and just to like figure out like what you can do to give back. Yeah, I think that's fabulous. And before this came into our department and, and no offense to this or to other cities who are doing things like this, but we would have new resident socials that provided punch and cookies and were just an open invitation for anyone who'd moved to Gilbert to come and mm -hmm. no one came. And so I just think about missed opportunities to engage and connect people with you know, our social media channel so that they can follow along and know what's happening in this new place that they live or this place that they've lived and maybe haven't engaged with us before. Events, things that are going on. Derek mentioned Alex. Like, think about businesses that can come on and use our data and who knows what they can develop from it. And I think that's what we you were know, kind of aiming to do, but make it an easier process. But again, a lot of times, similar to Alex and new resident onboarding and 311, all of these tools don't exist in a place or in the right place that then they're marketed in a way so that people actually know they're there or use them or show up and engage. And I just think, again, there's so many missed opportunities and it just makes so much sense to kind of have all of this here. And, you know, it's funny because I remember when the town manager said to me that um, he thought that the community engagement piece 311 specifically, which should come into my department. And I was like, oh yeah, absolutely. And here's what we would do with it and why it would look so different. And I'm really excited 
excited about that and for what's to come. And we should say, I mean, Melissa really is brand new. So this is just getting off the ground and something that we're really starting to invest in. Um, but I'm really excited about all of these opportunities. And we can't not mention Spark App League, our amazing program that Derek runs and Melissa is also going to be helping us with. But it's a coding contest, if you don't know, for junior high and high school students where we partner with Arizona State University, Waymo, Smithsonian, um, all kinds of fabulous partners on helping students to excite them about coding and start thinking about future careers maybe related to computer science or coding. And um, it's a really great program that we hope gets students in Gilbert especially excited about coding and app development and game development and all of that, that then with the hopes that maybe they will engage even further in their community or have a job here. Derek, you know all the stats about the homegrown entrepreneurship and that kind of notion that students who get excited about this type of thing and ideas early here in Gilbert will be more likely to return here to work or start their business here. Yeah, and I think that's a good point too. We used to call it, I think we've had a couple conversations about it, about like the HOA effect. And I think that that's a, a, a good point because yeah, there are statistics. It's something like 70 to 80% of entrepreneurs um, start their business either in their hometown or the, the place where they were educated, um, where they were first exposed to, uh, you know, whatever that, that, that would be, whether it be coding or engineering or, or science or math or whatever. So they tend to um, really like put down roots there. And I think that just to kind of tie all these different things together, you know, you mentioned the, the uh, HOA socials like the new resident socials or whatever how like can you just imagine how disappointing it would be to be a new resident to be super excited you just moved to Gilbert that's supposed to be this vibrant community and then you go to the let's say you did go to one of those socials and you're like well the they don't only exist per- here anymore <laughs> right, but if right. they did but yes. but if you were the only person there that to me would just take the wind out of your sails completely mm-hmm. and then you would be less likely to be engaged in the future because you'd be like well I went to one of those things and it was kind of not that great you know so imagine if spark was like not good or not entertaining for students or they didn't get something out of it or they didn't feel engaged with a program like spark like that might turn a student off completely from going down a career into that so it's like really important to make sure that when you're engaging people that when you're engaging residents when you're engaging students you're really hitting them where they're at absolutely you know and if the exact opposite of what you mentioned, showing up and not having anyone there. Imagine if your first experience with your city or town is the exact opposite of that. And you report an issue on the 311 app, you take a photo of it, and within an hour, it's acknowledged. And within a day, it's been fixed and resolved and closed out. What does that do for your community pride and how you feel about the community that you live in and what you'll say to your neighbors about where you live and your experience with your government. And so I just think that cities should really be thinking about this. And, you know, it's not, I know I mentioned we have a young demographic, but it's not just young people anymore. I know I mentioned this a lot, but my retired parents spend more time, I think, than I do online every day and engaging on Facebook. And that is changing too. So those challenges aren't you know, well, we still have to do the old school ways because I hear that a lot mm-hmm. because we still have to reach out. No, we don't. We don't. Show me why. Show me a reason why. Yeah. And and I mean, along the point of that HOA effect, too, you know, most people when they think of like their government and people representing them, because I think an HOA is a good example of that, because if you've ever been to an HOA meeting, you go there and you see, you know, what, what types of people do you see that actually go to HOA meetings? Most of the time, it's not the people who have a family and that have a, a, a you know, 
a big career that takes up their time or whatever because people don't have time to go to those HOA meetings. Or they go because they go. have a problem. Yeah, yeah. And, and so that was going to kind of be my point is that the people that go to HOA meetings are the people who have the least amount of investment in that stuff or that are affected the least by that because they have the most time to, to you know, digest that stuff. And, and then when decisions are made about that kind of thing, like the only people that actually go to HOA meetings that are like passionate or invested or engaged in it are, like you said, the people that have a problem so you know th- this this opposite effect if you go Engage to everyone yeah and you go to a, a meeting or a, a, an event or you go online and you see all these people engaging and they're engaging positively that makes people more like way more likely to engage in the future because they had a great experience that it, it wasn't just something that they were angry about they went in happy about it you know they're seeing other people that are happy about it and it just kind of continues that that idea or that thought process I love it. I love it. This was great. Thank you for joining us. This is so fun. I think we could continue on this this topic in particular for a long time. I'm already thinking about, you know, how people that live in Gilbert will find this episode really interesting. And then I also think that people, you know, who are in other places and just are frustrated with how to reach their community, hopefully can take some tidbits from this. I'm excited to do a follow-up once Melissa has been in the role for a little bit. And And to see the product of what you're going to create. I'm really excited excited too just to do it and make it yay yeah be here (laughs) yeah yay awesome well thank you both for joining us and thank you to our listeners if you have questions or comments for us you can use the hashtag govgondigital to engage with us also feel free to leave us a review on itunes and let us know what you think about this podcast and we'll see you soon from gilbert arizona on government gone digital 